So hi everyone and welcome to Architecture in the Den and uh, this week I'm delighted to welcome Adrian Alexandrescu onto the show um, and so we're going to be talking about architecture collaborations. Um, so Adrian without further ado do you want to just introduce yourself? Sure uh, thanks so much thanks for having me I'm, I'm really excited and uh, so my name is Adrian, I am an architect, I'm practicing from London currently, and uh, between work and my spare time, what I do is I collaborate with people internationally, um, working on designs that we think have a, uh, have a positive uh, response to, to the different crises that we, uh, we are facing today, um, and we interrogate concepts regarding alternatives with building, living, playing. Um, so we are quite excited about the green architecture, the circular economy, and trying to um, contribute as much as possible to the world around us. Okay, so that's awesome and really exciting. Let, let's just kind of just, how, how did you get to that point? So um, where are you working? Where are you working at the moment? Uh, currently, I'm in a transition period, so I'm moving from one practice to, to another in London. Yeah. Um, I've uh, started when I came to London uh, quite, quite a, a decade ago. I mean, time flies when you're, when you're having fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, I came here to, to study at university, and I found the, the experience so rewarding yeah. uh, because it was constantly a, a hustle and bustle of uh, people coming up with ideas, other people saying that those ideas are not good, people going back to the drawing board and figuring out uh, ways of doing things better or nicer or um, whatever. And those elements really, really triggered in me uh, a passion for engaging with other people and listening to different ideas, even though sometimes I guess just like everyone else, you know, you fall in the trap of someone saying, oh, you know, you, you must work on your idea and you go like, damn it, they don't know what, what I'm talking about. They don't <laughs> understand me. <laughs> so I think that's that's one of the interesting parts of, about collaboration. And uh, it's, it's a constant process of learning and growing and uh, getting better, I guess. So um, I'm, I'm trying to kind of work it all through. I'm trying to kind of work out where, so where, did you where are you from originally uh i'm originally from romania mm -hmm. i um i came over uh, for university then i've done my part one in beijing yeah. um i went over there worked with a local practice which beijing. Were yeah. in beijing and they were employing a lot of people from all over the world so uh, we had people from Spain, from England, uh, obviously uh, people from from different parts of China, um, and it was a it was a wonderful place. So to... you went. So you went straight to China or out of Romania? Uh, out of uh, out of undergraduate. So ah, I've so done my you do your undergrad. Uh, Anglia Ruskin University um, in uh, Essex. Right. Okay. And uh, the, uh, the, the initial experience at university was quite, uh, they were focusing a lot on, um, uh, let's say, technology and really practical elements of architecture. Yes. Um, and coming out of that experience, I was like, you know what, I really want to try some crazy things, yes. things that are never going to be built, but I'm yes. really interested in 
uh, some competitions. I'm really interested in um, just exchanging some ideas and seeing new places. It was it was one of the the main things why I went to China. I just wanted to to see how it is. Um, and the uh, the work there was was really interesting in the way in which it was bringing so many ideas yeah. uh, to the table and yeah. we weren't just let's say everyone was was an intern and uh, no we kind of had people which were interns but were working as architects and oh, how did you get a <laughs> job in China it, it was a fascinating uh, process because I saw the ad I applied where, where was the ad it, it was on the zine it was on uh, and uh, uh, yeah. yeah on the zine jobs um yeah. uh, if they give me a sponsorship or whatever to, from each time i say the zine they give me a hundred pounds <laughs> i'm happy uh, um i saw the advert mm. and i sent an application because it was that process after mm. undergraduate where yeah is that summer you're just making your way through uh, through whatever's until you get a proper job yeah and i applied yeah. Uh, 20 minutes later, they sent an email saying, do you want to talk in about an hour for an interview? I said, okay. Uh, an hour later, I have a conversation with them. We talk about different things, experience, so on and so forth. And by the end of the day, they mm -hmm. were sending me a letter to go to the uh, Chinese embassy in order to get my visa. Oh, my <laughs> word. So going from having nothing you know kind of working uh with the uh accommodation office over the summer period and kind of doing some help with the university yeah. to having a job in a day i was for me it was wow okay this, this is this is a that's good start really exciting and and that's such a great um kind of introduction to an architecture career just in terms of where is where's the world going to take you where where's architecture going to take you i love it exactly and if, it was even exactly even from my from my parents it was when i told them the story they were thinking well have you thought about this? I mean, are those guys legit? <laughs> I, I did. Um, yeah, so it reminds me of when when I did my part twos, or just after my part twos, I had a friend that said that she was going to go and work in um, New York. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll come and, you know, I'll come and join you. So I, uh, I, I went to work in New York for six months. Um, but back then, this is like 25 years ago, so it was a case of sending faxes over. Oh dear. <laughs> I, never had to, I never had to send them. I faxed That's how we communicated. It was a book with a list of phone numbers. You faxed your CV over, or you put it in the post. Oh, uh, I, I only played on a fax machine in my mum's office, so... Uh. <laughs> I mean... Just, you know, the, the idea of kind of make, doing what you've just done with the email and a job in China, that would take months. Ages, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So what, what did I do? I um, sort of I had a list of practices I wanted to work at. I got in contact with them, whether I wrote to them or faxed them. Um, I arranged a number of interviews in, in New York. I went out in the February, had interviews at six or seven places. Um, and then I think, 
kind of got job offers over the summer so february oh wow march april may june and i think i went out in october and also you're really committed to fly there to for the interviews yes <laughs> so i was like young um newly qualified and you know a bit of disposable money and i went to yeah. you know it's like oh, i'm going to new york darling for a week <laughs> interviews. it was it was fun and then um when i went out um I think I went out like two weeks before the job started to find an apartment. Mm-hmm. You can't, couldn't do any of that online. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I, I, I sort of stayed at a hostel or something like that. And I kind of, I was like job hunting. We used to have to wait for the Thursday edition of the Village Voice to like the newspaper. See the, yeah, see the adverts. To various places to see the adverts. And I can't remember where you could get that, you know, it's like the get it first thing in the morning and you were on the phone to like 30 places. Oh no, it's just gone. Oh no, it's just gone. Oh, for a place to live. And, you know, finally, you know, I, I, I found my apartment and I was subletting from a professor who had a five-year-old daughter and um, she lived in, Soho it was on West Broadway and Prince I think it was I don't know if you know New York but it had the classic view of the twin towers mm-hmm. before nine yeah, yeah, yeah. it had the classic view of the twin towers at the end of the road you know so that was like so I guess you, you paid a premium for that <laughs> yes and um you know I, she really properly interviewed me and grilled me you know she must have seen like 10 people it's like do you want this apartment i, I won't say you, you got an interview for the job you had an interview for the house uh, it, it was uh... that was that was like really tough <laughs> trying to find decent accommodation anyway but you know the whole no, process... yes exactly exactly must and i guess with in terms of waiting and we, we're so expecting those days you know you have your prime uh, delivery your next day delivery and uh, you, know, you pick up uh, the zoom oh. call and you're across the world i can't it, comprehend it, how i did it i can't you know because i'm so you know live in the you know live yes, on my exactly, own. Yeah. i just you know it's like it's like going back to i think the first bit of tech i had um was a pager oh wow <laughs> the one that you had to find a public phone in order to make the call yes (laughs) so I I remember going to New York I think with with my pager and my Sony CD Walkman so you didn't have the cassette player (laughs) ah you were modern I had my my CD Walkman and um I thought and how how was that kind of all the technology (laughs) <laughs> and and you were newly qualified at that point. Um, yeah. And how was the the experience of transitioning from a university in England to working straight into in in the US? In the US, um, I it was interesting. I, I I had I'd done my part threes with um, Ian Simpson. Mm-hmm. He's now Simpson Huff, um, and you know that was a really intense experience you know we kind of did a lot of master planning you know did that a lot of that long hours work culture and it was exhausting and I kind of had a bit of burnout after that 
So actually going to New York was time <laughs> off. Um, and it was like, um, it was, so I've got my job, you know, my nine to five or nine to six or, or whatever. And it was a, for an architect called Steve Blatz. And he did a lot of um, high end uh, concessions design. Okay. So it was like makeup stands in in airports. And <laughs> there was a design book, and then you did site specific. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, but that that's really interesting because I have a friend in Switzerland, and yeah. he was he was saying the same thing that they also when they design quite specific uh, uh, to do with the um, uh, health industry and uh, factories or hospitals or uh, whatnot for the, um, um, for the health sector. He was saying that, you know, you can't just start designing things. You, you go through a catalog. Those are the prescribed elements that you can use. This is how you can use them. And on you go, uh, you know, you have a certain tiny moment of creativity mm. in which you can you can actually explore things but a lot of things are so prescribed because mm. it needs to be a standard and doctors need to be able to go into a room and know exactly where everything is how to quickly get stuff where are how are they sorted where are they put how are they open uh, and everything is is really well regimented in the design process so I guess it's it's quite similar to what you it are saying very similar yeah I mean it was just um it was dull <laughs> it was really I mean um I kind of met some interesting people and um you know kind of met up with a young architect um uh outside of the business and kind of work did a little bit of work with her um but what i found in new york was um the cost of living is so high that the people that i were meeting were running having to work in like two jobs three jobs to make ends meet <laughs> so no one had any spare time yeah so there was just no quality of life whatsoever. So uh, I want to say not, not very different to, to Beijing. And it wasn't necessarily because things were expensive, but because you were working constantly. So yeah. <laughs> you, you just didn't have any time to spend the little money that you were making. So, yeah. so um, what were you doing in Beijing? Well, kind of on the, on the flip side of what you were saying, we were doing all the most interesting projects. Yeah. All the kind of creativity was turned up to a max. Yeah. Um, nothing was built, nothing was, you know, nothing reached the site. Um, and it was a constant turnaround of, of competitions, of new ideas and new projects. And um, again, kind of going back to the, to the collaboration, working with different people from different uh, areas, from different cultures, from different uh, walks of life, um, you have this amalgamation of ideas and, and you need kind of good steer in order to get something which makes sense right. because otherwise everyone comes with their their own points of view and everyone has an idea which works in a particular context and then you're bringing them all in to design for something which i found was completely out of the out of the the, the realm of what i was trained to or what i was prepared for um, so then you have to adapt a lot and you have to 
um, I guess, again, grow along with the people that you're, that you're working with and meeting and um, the way in which you get down to problem solving and communication is vital then to ensuring that you have a, a cohesive project at the end of the day. Um, and those elements really kind of uh, set me up for afterwards when uh, kind of going to masters and and uh, resuming the uh, the educational um, let's say track um, because it got me thinking about different elements which before, let's say, let's face it without the help of the people that I met I would have never thought about it and um, I guess you know sometimes we're so focused on one thing and, and we're trying to solve a problem and we get stuck Mm. And then you kind of need someone to, hey, well, what about it? Have you considered looking at this or thinking about this? And um, um, it, it, they kind of get you out of the, your, your comfort zone and uh, put you in a position to, to question yourself. Um, and with that in mind, that's how I then kept hold of those friends and, and stayed connected with them because uh, they were constantly a factor in. So with the other architects? that you're working with? Yes, and uh, some of them um, are now in, in England. Um, uh, we just finished a, a project, a proposal for a project together. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, one of them is, is back in Spain, um, uh, designing um, luxury villas and so on. So um, we kind of met there, but then we, we spread uh, back around the world a little bit. So it's, it's so it sounds like you must have a website or a that that people yeah. <laughs> have a look at because I'm I'm intrigued. Yes, I do, um, and it's uh, kind of it's adrianalexandrescu.com, um, and in there you, you... So Adrian or one word Alexandrescu. Yes, all one word. Rescue.com. Yeah, and so what? So if we're looking at it, what will we find? It will range from the most uh, outlandish ideas that we were kind of putting forwards in Beijing to um, much more uh, considered projects later on. And I think that that was also one of the um, one of the things that really attracted me in this uh, this entire collaborative journey because. Um, working with all those groups of people over the years, um, you kind of start seeing how you mature a little bit and the language of the architecture changes and the... Okay, right, let's... I'm going to put you on the spot completely, right? This is, okay. This is a podcast and a YouTube video recording. So I'm going to share my screen and then we can hop straight onto your site and go... What is that? <laughs> this is one of the uh, the most recent projects which I finished with my friend, uh, the one I was telling you about earlier from Switzerland. Yes. Um, we've uh, it was a um, a treehouse competition. Yes. And uh, I know that can be confusing by looking at it, but we do have when we work together, we do have a problem with sticking to the brief. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I was going to mention during the podcast, you know, how important it is to listen to the client and stick to the brief. <laughs> but <laughs> now that you put me on the spot, is we, we have 
we have difficulty sticking to briefs. So, so, so I can see a series of like it looks it, like upturned tu no tulip heads. <laughs> they um, were supposed to be tree houses, uh, one big and one uh, one small. With so we said decades. Yes, uh, and and we said well we're in France. You know, the, the project was for, a, for a, it was for a project in France. Uh, it was a um, supposed to be for this type of slow tourism, uh, cultural interaction. Uh, the site is the uh, Mont Chandelier uh, Castle, which is a thirteenth uh, century castle, which was uh, which was supposed to be a stronghold, but it got invaded by pretty much anyone that tried attacking it. So lovely place wonderful atmosphere it's it's this uh, this lake around a, a lovely little castle um and we said well we're in france let's let's try and think about this this idea a little bit more and let's see what we have uh, around us uh and this specific castle is on the the loire valley so you have a lot of other cultural uh attractions other castles all around the area and we said okay we take the idea of slow tourism, but we extend it and we say, you're on the bike, you're there for to um, enjoy a little bit of time off, you're there to exercise, you're there to uh, be within nature. So this becomes just one stop along your journey from one castle to another. Uh, so we create those little pit stops. And we don't just create one or two, we create a little village because it's all about community and people reaching out and engaging with each other. Again, it's about sports, it's about leisure. Um, you don't go into your own treehouse and, and sit on your own uh, thinking about things. You're, you're part of a community and you integrate. And the, the beauty of it was that uh, we kept reading kind of, as we were going along, we kept reading the brief and we're saying, oh, you know, we're, we're going a little bit too far with this. And then we were coming out with another silly idea. And, oh, okay, but it, okay, it might be too far, but then we come up with another silly idea. And all the while, um, my my partner, who on this particular project, she didn't uh, she didn't join us, yeah. kept saying, "But what, why are you guys actually doing this? Are you doing it for the competition, or are you doing it just for yourself? Because then <laughs> it changes completely the purpose." Yeah. So. In a lot of those cases, and um, kind of this applies to other other competitions and proposals that we've done together, it started with a brief. Yeah. But what we found is that it became more about our collaboration and our the way in which we see things, and it it became this a little bit romanticized proposal, which oh, you know, yes, it is a little bit about the brief, but look about look at how our collaboration managed to reach this really interesting thing. And it, it became a, uh, a, a little bit of, um, of a reason to, to stay connected, to get chatting, uh, to have a, a schedule week on week yeah. in which we keep in touch. Um, so I, th I think I'm gonna stop share. Okay, so we are, Already near the end of the time. Oh dear. <laughs> um, what I think, what can we learn about this collaboration, the, the collaborative process, um, and what can we learn in the industry 
from it. And because so I was I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, and I think you had a, a previous you had the Catherine Davis previously on on your show, and you guys were really talking about listening and understanding the process of solving problems and addressing the client's, um, let's say, requirements and needs. Um, and I know that your practice focuses so much on, on getting that connection, getting that collaboration yeah. pretty much to the next level. So I think that, and I was going to, to agree with your conversation back then, that it is about leaving the, the ego behind and focusing on that mutual understanding because in projects we don't just work amongst architects we we became quite good at communicating amongst ourselves mm. but we need to understand so many other professions the the engineers the the clients the developers the, we have to kind of quit the ego design and and focus like uh, mvrdv was saying focus on the we go um focus on the Yes. <laughs> um, the we, ah, uh, the we go. We yeah. go. The g o, not the ego. The we go. The we go, and um, it, it it was Sorry, a. Who said that? Who said that? That was uh, that was Winnie Mass from MVRDV. They uh, they created M V R D V. M V R D V. Um, and they uh, they uh, they were doing this uh, this project a couple of years ago about how the places that we live in need to be more personalized to our characters to the way in which we live. Yes. Um, so that becomes then quite let's say the driver. And if mm -hmm. once we expand the, the thinking from you know from an apartment to a house to a community to a master plan mm. then we start seeing let's say the the end goal of addressing problems like climate change like pandemics like uh, uh, economic crisis mass migration because i think that as architects we are in a really interesting position where we have the ability and we have the skill and we have the uh, understanding to to address some of those elements mm. however we are kind of addressing just some of the elements. Mm -hmm. So we need that collaboration and we need to drop the ego in order to be able to create a, a solid um, team around us or in collaboration with us in order to address some of the larger issues, not just the small ones. I think that is a perfect place to stop. I think I could carry on this conversation. <laughs> I know, I know. I think we need to stop. <laughs> Okay, so if anyone wants to sort of check out Adrian's work, I'll drop the um, I'll drop your link in the bio or whatever the description. So, thank you very much for coming on. So thank this you, Lisa. thanks for the opportunity. It's a pleasure. So this has been Architecture in the Den with me, Lisa Rains. Um, if you've not heard this before, as Adrian alluded to, um, I run a franchise business called Pride Road. Um, and it is a franchise, um, an architectural practice franchise. So we offer a business in a box um, to uh, people who want to set up their own practice, uh, focusing uh, mainly in the UK. Um, if you found this uh, episode interesting, um, as you may be aware, it's available as a podcast on Spotify or on YouTube on our YouTube channel.
Um, if you like it, please do like it. If you really like it, please share it. And if you'd like to come on as a podcast guest, please um, get in touch. Okay, well, I'm going to say goodbye and um, see you on the next podcast. Thank you.